and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. I hope you're feeling that creativity and energy that Leo season brings. My ascendant is in Leo, so I'm definitely feeling a little pep in my step. I've been having a lot of impromptu dance parties. Also, for those witches and pagans out there, happy Lunasa or Lamas. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's one of the eight pagan holidays that's recognized in what's called the Wheel of the Year. I'll post something on Instagram so you can see what that looks like, or you can Google it. But the word llamas actually comes from an old English phrase that translates to loaf mass. So back in the day, like pre-Christian Christians, if that makes sense, the first loaves of the season were blessed by the church during mass. In other early pagan traditions, this day honors the Celtic hero god Lu. He's associated with order and truth, and that's why it's called Lunasa. And it's basically a festival of the harvest season. It's a time to show deep gratitude to Mother Earth and everything that she does for us, which we should be doing all the time. But this is the special harvest time, and that's usually on August 1st, I believe. But, you know, celebrations happen all throughout this week. My partner Ash and I baked a delicious banana bread for the day, and we'll spend some time in nature this coming weekend to ground more deeply in the harvest appreciation vibe. Speaking of this coming weekend, Sunday is August 8th, 8-8, and that's when Leo, Sun, and the star Sirius will create an annual cosmic alignment that's known as the Lion's Gate Portal. This Woo vibe time will be even more amplified this year thanks to the new moon in Leo that's taking place on the same day. This is a big lucky day in astrology, so definitely make sure to carve out some time for manifesting abundance or any creative projects or break out a whiteboard, make a vision board. It's a witchy day for getting into your magical manifesting groove. Anyway, This week, my guest June Ahern is a witch, a paranormal investigator, an author, and a psychic. She also had a near-death experience, or an NDE, at the age of 19, which caused her to have incredibly increased psychic abilities, which includes the ability to speak with the dead. If you've done any research on NDEs, you know there's a tremendous amount of overlap in people's experiences with, quote-unquote, the in-between. And then there's the gifts, right? Some people come back and they're impeccable painters, but before the NDE, they could barely draw like a stick figure. Some people come back and they have psychic abilities. That's actually a super common one, interestingly enough. If you want to look further into this, you can get a lot of really solid information at the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Also, for fans of the Netflix show, The OA, June could have been in that creepy guy's program, you know? Personally, I was obsessed with that show, and I do not understand why they canceled it after two seasons. Although, 
I have heard rumors that they may be finally sneaking in a third season, but I guess only time will tell. I had a blast talking with June. We talked about changes that are happening in the Aquarian age, details about her NDE experience and how scary it was to come back with intense psychic abilities. We talked about witchcraft, her paranormal investigations with the show The Haunted Bay, past lives, interdimensional travel, shadow work, and how she helped the police solve cases with her psychic abilities. In fact, due to COVID, it's on hold, but a movie is in the works based on the true story of June helping law enforcement. I will keep you updated on that for sure. We also talk about how she didn't want to be in physical body this lifetime, both before and after her NDE. It was an absolute honor to speak with an elder in the pagan community. I know a lot of baby witches who are dying to find their elders, but don't know where they are. Well, here's one of them, and she has a ton of wisdom and humor to share with you today. So let's do this. It's woo time. Have you felt that there's been unusual energy lately by any chance? Well, in the last few years, even, I mean, not just now, an enormous amount of cosmic energy. Yes. I agree with you in the past couple of years. And then specifically for me in the past, like two or three weeks, I've just felt like very unusual energy levels and, and shifts, coincidences, I think, synchronicities. Yeah. Coincidence. I always love coincidences. (laughs) I feel like they're telling you you're on the right path, I think. But then some people say it means that you're being initiated. And so that could very well be. And sometimes that's not comfortable, though. No, not sometimes. Not sometimes. Always. Always. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, I know on a conscious level, there are some of us who say, okay, we're evolving, we're changing, it's the cosmic, we can't stop it. And the other ones are in panic. They're in that place where, oh my God, the sky is falling, the roof is coming on me. And it's like, hey, it ain't going back, guys. This is it. We're evolving. Right. Since we're on the topic, how do you think that applies to the pandemic and this whole notion of going back to normal? Thank goodness we're not going back to normal. For one thing, especially with the young people like you and and younger even, they have a different consciousness about the world. They have to. They have to become involved. I get more and more younger people tell me, I'm not a he and I'm not a she. There's just one example. I am both or I am them. And the world has to accept that that is part of the evolution. And back to normal, to me, is like talking when I get with friends and they all want to talk about the old days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to, I want to be now when I want to talk about what's to come and how I could be a part of helping to make this world a better place for more people to live in because we can do it. And the pandemic, a friend said this to me, she said, don't think of what the pandemic did to you. Think about what it did for you. Mm. And I went, I started making a little list and I, I just really love the younger people now, most of them, how they're saying, I'm not going to take this anymore. I don't have to fit your image. Part of the evolution is an acceptance of people that were before not normal. 
<laughs> yeah. I just asked because I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, I can't wait to get back to normal. And then there's the crowd that would include you and I that's like, fuck that. Yeah. And Gen Z is really sort of paving the way, I think, in a lot of ways for that evolution and realizing that the normal that we had is at the very least anxiety producing and at the very worst, like apocalyptic. Well, we had to fit into uh, normal also means who are you? What religion do you belong to? What political party do you belong to? You were in a box. And we've expanded that box. People like you and I, and many that I talk to and meet, especially, like I said, the younger people, but also people my age who came of age during the 60s, you know, we have to say, listen, we don't have to judge other people so harshly. It doesn't mean we have to do what they're doing. And unless you're really hurting someone, you're okay. Unless you are bringing your agenda so much into another person's life. That's not okay. Yeah. So, so I want to get into so many things. I was reading a little bit of your book this morning and you were 19 years old. You had a near-death experience. The first question that popped into my mind when I read that was, were you interested in the paranormal, the occult, the psychic world prior to that near-death experience? Yes, I was interested beforehand on a very lighter, small way. My mother was real into the mysteries, and she would watch a television program called One Step Beyond. And with that, here we are all dressed up in our little Catholic school uniform, eating breakfast, listening to mom talk about these things that happened that are really different. She would also read our tea leaves for us, but we weren't to tell anybody because we were Catholics. (laughs) So we couldn't go and tell anybody at school or anybody that my mom read tea leaves and she believed in spirits. And she would have dreams. Like one night she had a dream that the little girl next door, three years old, died. And she woke up all upset and she looked out the window. It was early in the morning and an ambulance was there. The police cars were there and the little girl died. So my mother had it, that kind of awareness, but she didn't really want to get into it too much because it was against her religion. Yeah, she saw her brother appear to her on her honeymoon and he had been drowned in World War II. His ship had been bombed. And before anybody knew, he came to her. So I did accept it. I did grow up with it. I did know it was there. And I was a child of the 60s. I mean, you know, did LSD and everything else <laughs> and, and had visions. And when I had the near-death experience, it was as though going to advanced school. So much just opened up for me in my own psychic mind, meaning that I knew things about people that no one ever told me about them. Even strangers, I just started knowing things. It sounds like you have a a lineage of it. I mean, at least through your mom there. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's matriarchal. These gifts can be stronger in the matriarchal line. Just the way the patriarchy plays out. I think men can do it too. So men have a little more issues about it because uh, society tells us that they shouldn't be delving in that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, they're not even allowed to tap into their emotions. So how are they going to be psychic? How about your grandma on your mom's side? Do you feel that she had any gifts or? Oh, yeah. She would go to a woman. And we heard this years later, by the way, you know, after I came out with, wow, I know things. I see dead people. And my grandmother went to a woman who used to crack eggs. That's how she would tell. She had her sights by cracking eggs. It's an old, I can't say it's just Scottish, 
maybe it's Celtic. I know in Africa, they read chicken bones and stuff. So my grandmother did believe, but like my mother, she hid it because you couldn't religiously believe in that and be a good Catholic at the same time. It sounds like you come from a a line of witches. She's clapping. I use that term broadly, like unless it's offensive to somebody and they don't want to be called that. But I think of psychics and people who communicate with the dead and paranormal investigators and tarot card readers. I think of them all as witches in my mind. They're all just some variation of that kind of magic. I'm sure your grandmother and your mother would never identify as a witch, right? Oh Oh my gosh. My mother at one point, because my elder sister was a staunch Catholic for many years. But after a while, we came out and told my mother, well, we're pagans of the goddess religion. And she said, do you still believe in Jesus, though? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a follower of, of also many of the prophets and the holy people. I think we all have a part of history that's okay. I'm not going to dismiss one. I kind of do have a little hard time with born-again Christians, I have to say. They have a tendency to rub you the wrong way. They also have a horrible and very bloody, bloody history in their, well, not just born-again, but... Catholics have the worst. Yeah, forcing people to, I mean, not just like a couple people, but like millions of people to change their religion. Yeah, and that doesn't include all the Christians. I mean, I have many people that I know, respect, that are Christians, Protestants and such. And even the Catholic Church has that part of them now more open. They don't dismiss it or whatever, but it's just the, I call it, well, the Bible thumpers. And they're reading a really age-old historical book and saying that it's right on. Well, they're not necessarily practicing some of that book. They pick and choose which what they want to practice. Yeah, they definitely do. I, I agree. I identify as a witch and I don't have any issues with any religions. I have friends who are Christian and friends who are Buddhist and Muslim. But I think the issue really with the Bible thumpers is the specific sort of category of humans is that, like you said, they pick and choose, and they just seem to be the most judgmental of everything that's different than them. That's exactly it. Anything that's different from what they believe they should say is right, and that's how we should live, without really looking at the person. You have to look at a person, and that's the person that you see. And if that person has a kindness and an ability to feel peaceful or want to give love and peaceful, that person is more enlightened than somebody who goes to church and condemns other people. That's how I look at it. And I don't care what you are. (laughs) You know, you don't even have to belong to anything. That's what we are missing in our religious teachings. Absolutely. And and that's one of the reasons that I love witchcraft specifically, because it is so open to all the pantheons. You can pray to Jesus one day, and then you can pray to Buddha, and you, you don't even have to pray to them. You can just have a dialogue with them, or you can do a ritual with them, or any number of gods, goddesses, you pick. You have this near-death experience. Do you come out as a pagan after that or before that? Well, it was many years after that. I mean, it wasn't right away. It took me quite a long time to, one, physically recover the accidents I had, and then to mentally and emotionally recover. You know, as a young woman, all of a sudden, I had these scars on my face, and my body didn't work right. I was in pain. And of course, I met this creep. 
married him too. So it took me a long time to really decide. And I, you know, I went until 1984, I think around that. I still went to the Catholic church. I still went to mass. I went to mass even during my hippie days. (laughs) I went to mass, (laughs) you know, which is kind of funny, but it wasn't until probably about 1983 or so. I had a client that turned into a good friend of mine. She's passed on since then, but she introduced me really to witchcraft and talked to me about it. And that's when I started to say, wow, this feels more right for me. This is more of what I want to do. The goddess religion in Europe, Mary, the Virgin Mother, she's very well respected. And she is very much more of who people pray to. In the United States, it's all about God and Jesus. I mean, they talk about Mary, but it's not the same devotion that the Europeans have, because that goes back to the goddess. And that's how I got involved with the uh, goddess. This woman named Jean Marie, she took me to the movies in San Francisco there, down at the old Victoria Theater. And they were playing Donna Reed's The Goddess Remembered. Donna Reed is the director, producer. And, And The Burning Times It was two films. And that's how I started to get into it. And when I watched The Burning Times, which was a historical about what happened to women in Europe, and then here in the United States, I cried. I cried through the movie and I felt like, wow, I'm there. That's me. I am a witch. Do you feel like you may have had a past life either in Europe or in the United States as a witch? You know, I have to say I do. And I empathize with it. But then one time I did a past life regression and I saw myself as somebody who condemned and actually killed some women. And I was shocked. And I went to Salem. I did all that. And I thought, no, that couldn't have been me. And perhaps that's why I am more enlightened in this lifetime. Like, yeah, that was me. And I did not do the right thing. I followed a different way. So I want to believe that I was the witch back then which I kind of do, but it seems like I was a persecutor. That's so interesting that you said that because a few years ago I had a past life regression and it was the most powerful one I've had. I am in this lifetime, very anti-war, very, you know, I have a lot of Buddhist background, very pacifist. And lo and behold, in my past life regression, I was a soldier. I was a killer. I mean, I killed people. Yeah. And I thought, no, that just like you, I was like, that can't be me. Why, why would I, why would I have done that? But I think that just makes me who I am today. It, it's hard to think about because it's such an aerial view, right? To think about the fact that you're this being that's going through all of these lives and that one life is just so small. It's just such a small thing. And that's just one little lesson. Yeah. I got into past lives in the mid 60s. But before I was about 16, when I started really getting into it, but even as young as like 11 and 12, I knew I lived before. Now, I had no idea what it meant. Nobody ever talked about reincarnation or living before. I was 11 because I went to our family library, little bookcase thing, and I took out a book and I asked my father, uh, you know, I want to look about Egypt. I'm doing a report. And as soon as I opened up that book, I knew I had lived in Egypt before without any reasoning to how I could have thought that way. And so I really do know that I was meant to continue on to look at other lifetimes. That's how they say, you know, you strut across the stage of life, right? And the only way we learn is to have different experiences. 
Yeah, it's mind blowing, really, if you think about it. It's like a total mind fuck because it's like, wait a second, what was I? And there's this cascade of questions like, why can't I remember that I was that? But it's interesting that you mentioned ancient Egypt. When I was a kid, I had that same experience. I, I was around the same age and it was an ancient Egypt pop up book. I was like, I, I know I was there. Yeah, it just, and it just happens and, and you just know it and you it might not be that you want to know it. it may not be the life that like I used to do past life regressions for people or even readings when I was doing psychic readings people would ask me it wasn't my main focus but I at times I would give it and it's so real the feeling not just the thought but the feeling is yeah that was something I experienced I just know it I was never anybody famous I was just an ordinary everybody. I was a soldier too. Many, many. I've been a man. I think this is one of my, one of probably a couple of my only being a woman. And it's funny, in this lifetime, I was a tomboy. And then people said, are you sure you're not gay? And all these things. And I said, well, you know, not that I know of, but they picked up that male energy from me. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. Like there's, I don't know how to say it other than there's just sort of these like whispers of old memories. They're not here fully, but you can just sort of feel them. They're more like, like a feeling imprint. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And you could do that through before you go to sleep, say, I'm ready to look at another lifetime. And what you're looking at is what did I learn that I brought forward now? Is it something that I have to heal? Is it some kind of ability, talent, or knowledge that it's time for me to expand upon? I mean, that's really why you investigate yourself in other lifetimes, so that you understand what you've learned and how do you proceed on. You can even start your next life in this life by preparing for it, by starting to live and think where do I want to go? When I come back, what am I coming back as? And what am I going to be doing? What's my purpose? That's really interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting. I could like explode because I'm such an investigator. I get so I'm like, I just have to know. And then sometimes when you get a little close to it, it's scary because it's hard to face some of that stuff. And sometimes the reason and maybe it's the main reason that we don't remember all the details is because it would be so conflicting and distracting from this life and this lesson that we need to learn. Yes. Yeah. When people would come for readings and and they'd say, well, I want to look at my past life. I said, well, let's deal with, you know, what's going on right now in your life. Let, Let me talk about that. I was a very in the present time reader and then I may go into another lifetime if it came to me. And really, it had to come to me. I didn't. Have, I don't want to go out and make it up or search for it. And the purpose, again, is so we evolve. Like you and I were talking about, this is a time, the age of Aquarius, we're evolving. And that's the purpose of looking at other lifetimes. One thing I learned as a Roman general that did really good, conquered a lot of places, especially in Britannia, was how lonely I was. I was so lonely for an actual intimate relationship with a family, with people. So this lifetime, I come from a very big family. I can't say that I enjoy it all the time. But, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like Sly Stone. It's a family affair. But that was something that was important to me, is to have this community, this family. And I know I pulled it over from a very long time ago. 
So you want to say, again, how did I die? Was it an accident? Was it old age? What was going on? And when my spirit left the body, what memory did I take with me the most? What are my few memories that I took that I can better myself in this lifetime? Since we're on the topic of past lives, do you have a theory about how many we have? I don't. And I think it's an individual thing. There is a thought. Also, I study as a Rosicrucian student, you know, a particular spiritual group that I belong to and study with a bunch of free thinkers and everybody thinks different at times. And that you really are supposed to stay on the other side for at least 150 years. I don't know where they came up with that, but you shouldn't rush back. Some of us rush back. You know, we get out of our body, we get to the other side, wherever that is, the other dimension. And then we go, oh, I really like living on Earth. I'm coming back. So we haven't really done the work. We haven't prepared as well to come back and have a greater meaningful life. We usually go right back to what we were doing when we lived before. I agree with that part of what I've been learning. I haven't heard that specifically but it does make sense that you'd want to take a breather and kind of recollect yourself before you pop back in. I, I feel sometimes the opposite. I feel like I would be like, do we have to go back to earth? I hear we don't have to. And, I, and so many people say, when I leave, I'm not coming back. And I look at them and I go, mm-hmm. <laughs> see you in the next lifetime. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, there's a feeling of like, check, please. But then (laughs) I imagine that there's something seductive about being able to manifest and being in physical form. Well, you want to come back because we are part of the evolution. We are part of the awakening of humankind. I know they always call it mankind. We're done with that. We are part of the awakening. And we come back to serve humanity, to serve the earth. I mean, as a Rosicrucian, I learned more and more that I am in service. I am in service in any doing this podcast, being invited to do it. Thank you. It means that do I have an opportunity to perhaps even touch one listener to work with them, help them to evolve their own consciousness? That's what we're here to do, to serve. That's a beautiful mission for anyone. I guess that would be the seductive thing, right? You're going to be intrinsically a part of the collective awakening. And that seems important. You're giving a service of your time, your technical knowledge, all this thing. You're serving a community by having different people share their experience and knowledge. So you are in service. This is a service. I appreciate you saying that because it reminds me that it is because sometimes I think people have a really narrow idea of what service is. They think it has to be like direct care. And and sometimes I do question, I think, should I be doing something that's more directly in service? But if the thing that's in your heart is also helping people's minds expand, then that's probably your brand of service. Correct. Everybody has their own. I mean, I'm a talker, but there's great people that are great listeners. And they do that with people. (laughs) And they do that. They give of their ears to people that maybe have to unload something. Somebody has to say something. That is a service to another being. You know, Yeah. yeah, people blow it out of, you know, kind of like, oh, I have to be this. No, saying hello to somebody, being cheerful, and you touch some people's lives that are in a uh, way, you have served the greater good 
by having a positive, more cheerful attitude to those that need it. That's how simple it could be. Yeah. And then we're really good at making it complicated, myself included. (laughs) Before we move on from past lives, I wanted to ask, do you think that there is a heaven or a hell or some, maybe it's not heaven or hell, maybe there's a nirvana or an underworld. What's your thought on like this ultimate place that we get to after a number of lives? All of the above. I do know that there is, now I look at it more rather than heaven or nirvana or sleep time. I do look at it as dimensions. I've really been looking into dimensions the last couple of years. You know, things come to you after meditation or through dreams. And I was prompted to start really studying dimensions, dimensional space and time, mathematically even. And I've never been good at math, but I believe there are other layers and dimensions that we can move into. And I had that experience. I'm not going to go into it, but I had that first experience several years ago of actually walking into another dimension while I was in a awakened state. I was doing one of the paranormal investigations for the Haunted Bay. First time it ever happened to me. And so I do believe that other dimensions exist, past, present, and future. And not only I believe in it, you know, Einstein talked about it. Heaven and hell are a state of mind, mental, mentalism. I just was chatting with this amazing human about his experience with a liminal space. And he felt like if he didn't physically move away from that space in that moment, that he could have been literally sucked into another world. Yeah. And it's so mind-boggling, I know, for the listeners to think about this. But honestly, if you think about the way our eyeballs work and what we're actually seeing and perceiving and how our brain is programmed by TV and culture and all of that, we really have, again, it's all about this like narrow view of things. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. And when we expand that a little bit, it kind of makes sense that these different places that people have been talking about for centuries are just, you know, just move your vision a little bit to the left there and there's a portal. It's, it's, portal, I, yeah. It sounds crazy though, right? No. Like, well, it doesn't sound crazy to me. I mean, uh, shape changing, Native American shape changing. You move into another dimensional space. You know, they talk about dress for success, or do this or do that, and people will perceive you in other ways. I mean, I do glam spells when I have to go somewhere important or something. I change my aura, and people pick it up all the time. They can't even say why they pick it up. I had a friend with me, and I had done a glam spell before because I was going to another interview, and I didn't tell my friend, and she said to me, wow, people are looking at you. You're going, you know, we went to a play. Everybody's all over you. People are looking at you. And then I told her, well, I did a glam spell. So we recreate ourselves, And if we understand alchemy and magic, that's how it can work by creating another space and time. That's a very kind of a simple way, but we certainly can do that and be seen in two different places. I actually did that two years ago. St. Jerome did it. It's, it's very interesting. It really is. And it's been proven. It's not like it's the woo-woo. we're reclaiming the word woo here Um, (laughs) two things i want to ask the first is for the listeners who don't know could you explain what a glam spell is it's a very simple spell 
And you have to set up the right atmosphere to be involved in it, which means kind of a darkened room, maybe just a candle or very light. People have to prepare to do an actual affirmational change in order for spells to actually take hold. It could be called creative visualization and manifestation. But you consciously go into a place where you say, I am going to do this. I'm preparing to attract toward me. And you sit in this room, calm in yourself, no music, no nothing, maybe a little candle, a little incense. And you go through all the various colors in the whole rainbow atmosphere. And when you have the color that you feel attracted to, it could be two colors. I usually like to focus on one. Then you begin to pull it up through your feet, through your body, through your organs. So you just put it all around you, this color. The color represents what you are manifesting. If you're manifesting, say, a trip somewhere, then you might use the color red because you want active. So you choose a color and you bathe yourself in it and you just say, that's my aura. I will be recognized for it. So you sit for a while with it. And when you leave, I usually dress in the same color that I manifested. I do that myself. I didn't read it in any book. So I'll wear some of the colors or color that I my aura is. And people pick it up. See, people are more intuitive than they are very conscious of. And if you know how to do it, it happens. The second thing I wanted to ask you is you just mentioned this feeling of going into a different dimension or or you said you were in an awakened state. Would you be able to elaborate on that a little bit? What happened? As time goes on, I experience more and more in the psychic world, the paranormal world. So we were doing a paranormal downtown San Francisco, the old Barbary Coast. And I know I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know the history or the dates or anything because it doesn't let me be psychically open as as open. So I'm walking along and I get to this one area and I just stop running in front of me are people dressed from the late 1800s. You know, men had top hats and and women with the long dresses and then the, the old nurses with the long dress and the white pinafore and they were going down toward the bay. And I'm watching them. And then I took one step in and it was really like they show like going through a bubble and stepping into the energy of these people. I could hear them. I could smell them and I could feel them rushing by me. And they were going to the ship because there was a serious illness that was happening. People were running away from the ship and people were going, the nurses were going to the ships. And later, historically, I found out, yes, this happened at that time and this thing happened. Now, it didn't end up in the video. She had to decide what to cut and whatnot. But I learned how we can move into the past. We could actually go into another dimension and completely be there. And I see that in dreams. I mean, that's what we do. Alter state of consciousness. We go into other dimensions while we're dreaming. Yeah, sometimes dozens in one night, depending on Mm -hmm. what combination of things you're going through and how your brain is feeling that day and your body. And we don't think of it that way, but that is, that is interdimensional travel. Uh, Exactly. The, The Rosicrucians and also other spiritual teachings talk about every night when we go to bed, we are experiencing like a mini death. And when we wake up the next morning, we have a new life. You know, we're not the same person that when we went to sleep because somehow we had a mini death. We had the opportunity to change our consciousness. I mean, I'm learning all the time, like I said. 
Me too. And I think that's what's so, for me, intoxicating about this very broad subject matter of the woo, because I mean, every little thing sort of opens up a little bit more magic, a little bit more. And then sometimes you get close to something that you almost can't digest yet. And you're like, oh, let me just back up a little bit. And then someone tells you a story that basically solidifies the truth of that thing that you were freaked out about. And you're like, oh, wait, okay. Then you give it a chance and then you try something new. And it's just, I would never run out of topics for this podcast ever. It's a fascinating world. I mean, you know, it just, it really is. And when people talk about, oh, no, and it's terrible. All you have to do is step out it by the ocean or go to a park or pet a dog or a cat or hear children play. And it's not. It's a good place, mostly, kind of. Sort of. Yeah, kind, kind of. I Depends mean. where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there is a negative charge in the world right now that's pretty hot because we're in a major transition, like a growth spurt. So I do think that you have to work a little bit more in recent years to keep your energy high enough to deal with kind of all. That is so true. You know, and it goes back to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. And it's the Buddhist thought of saying, you have to take care of your civic duty. You're part of the group of the community or wherever it is, you have to do your civic duty. If you're going to complain and you didn't vote or you didn't write your letter or you didn't participate somewhere, I tell people, did you do that? And when they say no, I said, well, you have no right to bitch. You forget about it. There you go. So you have to take care of your civic duty while you really focus truly on the beauty of the spiritual life. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God what is God's. means the same thing. Yeah. I see the connection there. And oh, because I want to ask you so many questions, I can't figure out which one to do. (laughs) We have such a good time and you're a delight to talk to because you are curious. Thank you. And you are as well. I mean, I love that you have such a broad spectrum of information and experiences to share. And I get such amazing feedback from the listeners who don't really know a lot about the woo and they're so appreciative to have people talk about their experiences because that's so validating, right? Like for people who may have had something, but maybe their entire family thinks that something that they experienced is satanic or fucked up or not appropriate. And so they hear this stuff and they're like, oh, I'm not the only one. Yes. Over the many, many years, you know, I did God, almost 50 years of, of doing readings. What I heard from people you understand me. You know, I would tell them and they go, oh, I never talk about that. And they found out, guess what? You're okay. That's not weird. I've had people come to me who say they were ready to commit suicide until I brought it up in the reading, things that were bothering them. And they had, and I'm not a therapist and I never tell people I'm there as a therapist. As a matter of fact, I've recommend people to therapy when I knew that that would be a better thing for them. Just to know that you are not alone in your thoughts. There's many of us in the world. You just have to find us and you just have to find what works for you. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, the age of Aquarius, I think it's like our time, you know, it's time for this woo to be more mainstream. The paranormal shows are just popping up everywhere. I mean, it's really a special, exciting time, I think. 
It is. And it's, you know, it's, uh, crazy energy is crazy energy. I mean, yes. some people are going crazy for it. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I just love it. The young kids that are being born, you know, starting from the 80s, because none of us could really talk about this before. I mean, I couldn't tell people I went to the other side. It took me, uh, what, five or six years to come out and say, guess what? I died and I saw heaven. And <laughs> the young people being born now. Yeah, it's beautiful. As a matter of fact, I got another email the other day saying, I heard you're going to do something for children for, you know, psychic stuff. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, because I do my little Zoom classes. And I guess I, because these kids want to talk about what they are experiencing. And I, I just think, as you said, it's an exciting time. For me, it takes a little bit of calibrating every day to deal with because it seems like it's very polarizing. It's like we have this amazing energy, but at the same time, we have this real dark, shitty energy. And so yes. I kind of have to calibrate every day. Some days I don't do as well as others. To, That's okay. To, yeah, to be able to stay in that vibration of there's great stuff here and there's a movement yeah. that you can be a part of. That's It's positive. hard. It's really hard. You know, I have to do it daily too. So, you know, I started writing my affirmation again and chanting and it's not easy to stay positive. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I hardly don't see people I used to see when they start with their negative stuff. I'm not hiding from it, but it's better for me to be alone, be with the animals, be in nature with very few people. If I'm going to serve, I have to keep a certain energy up and I can't be have it brought down by really fearful people. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that it's a big conversation right now. Some people are saying you need to be there for people who are going through dark things at certain times. And I think that's true. But you can also be like, well, I know that I have to keep my vibration here. I can still be friends with you from afar, but I can't get sucked into that vortex that you got going on. So I'm not going to hang out with you a lot. It's that decision-making time. And then I tell people, listen, the reason Mother Teresa was well-known is because that was a Mother Teresa. I'm not a Mother Teresa. I mean, I can get out there and somebody does something to me and I'll be like, oh, you fucking asshole. And I have to go, oh, that's right. Om Shanti Shanti. <laughs> you know, you got to take in your own personality, your yeah. own person, your own... You know, in, in witchcraft and Wicca, we have a shadow book. And in our shadow book, we write our thoughts, we write our spells, we put maybe a feather in there, we draw pictures. That's the shadow energy that's shadowing us as we move through this world. Yeah. And I think it's a complex topic because you do need to do your shadow work, but you also don't want to go too far into shadow work. And you also don't want to, on the other end, suppress the darkness that you have in you or the darker parts of you. If you say, fuck you, asshole on the street, you know, <laughs> it's more detrimental, I think, for you to beat yourself up about saying, fuck you, asshole, than it is to let that burst of anger out. I think that part's the worst part. Well, that's part of who I am. You know, I always yeah. tell people, they look at me now, this little old lady, senior with white hair and everything. I think, oh, you're so nice. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you don't know a whole lot of other stuff about my past. Or you'd be going, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, that's who I was. And, you know, evolved to a more peaceful state of being. But it was a journey to get there. Yeah. Let's talk about that journey. Because 
you're 19, you have a near-death experience, which is amazing to begin with. I've watched a couple of documentaries about them. They're fascinating, like what happens to people and how there's such a, an overlap of people's experiences. They're so similar. Have you? Have you oh, yeah. I mean, there is a huge worldwide organization for near-death experiences and all the things that ha- happen to people. Now, they don't happen to all people that have had them. Because I know I've done lectures when we used to be able to meet in person, you know. And I, <laughs> Remember? And so, some people, their life, they just destroy it anyway. But most people, it's overwhelming. They can't handle what happened. But most people make some sort of change in their life. Whether for me, it was a psychic abilities, which is pretty common. For others, it may go into healing, that they, they understand their purpose on life more so. It, it's a fascinating conversation to speak with a person that has gone to the other side and come back to this earth. It's really something. And you kind of, I didn't want to come back. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, But uh, they told me I had to come back. That's common. I've read that in Brian, is it Brian Weiss's work? Many Lives, Many Masters, where he talks yes, about, yeah, but, yeah, where people talk about their past lives and they all say, which I found pivotal to my woo learning, was everybody went to the same space, which was this in-between life space. Yeah. And at what point are skeptics going to be like, okay, look at all this anecdotal evidence. Like there is somewhere in between. And every time people went to it, they felt solace. They felt peace. It was like the chill space. Yeah. The kind of thing that most people meditate for is to achieve that sense of blissfulness. I achieved it at that time. And I've been trying to achieve it ever since. In your experience with talking to people who had also had NDEs, near-death experiences, did you find that they all talked about not wanting to come back or did a number of them feel that way? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And no. Yes. A number of them felt like, oh, it was so beautiful. I didn't want to leave. And others said, okay, I got it, but I, it was okay to come back. So it's kind of a little mixed bag with that, but many of them did say, oh, I didn't want to leave where I was at. It was wonderful. You know, and then next thing I know I'm back in my body. I don't think it's too hard to understand being out of your body. Here's an example. You're in a deep sleep. Maybe you're in a nap and you're in this deep nap and suddenly the phone rings or something wakens you up and you can't recognize who you are, where you're at and how you got there. Have you ever had that experience? Yes, definitely. Okay. You were out of your body. Your spirit had to go, oh my God, she woke up. (laughs) Let me get back in her. You you wake up, you go, who am I? Where am I? (laughs) And you go, oh, okay, okay. That's an out-of-body experience. It's Uh, funny that you bring that up because I used to have a name for that. I called it Nap World. And and I had a partner who also had that experience a lot during naps where she would wake up and she would just be like, you know, and it would take you like 15 minutes to an hour to kind of like recollect. Yeah, you're woozy. Yeah, You're actually a woozy. You're like, oh. Where have I been for this hour? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I? I remember that feeling like, who am I? And is that how you felt when you came to after the near-death experience? Well, you have to remember, I woke up in the hospital. You know, I had to have major surgery because I had been in the car accident. And so when I woke up, I was, of course, really disoriented because I didn't know. I do remember that I went, well, I went into shock 
when I woke up coming out of the surgery. And I do remember the nurses rushing around saying, okay, she's in shock, hurry up, get her a blanket, call the doctor in. So it was a little different for me in that way. I I was out of it anyway. (laughs) I woke up and I just remember I was shaking so bad. It was whatever shock is, I was in it. Like they couldn't stop me. I was just, so it was probably the shock that I came back. (laughs) No, not again. (laughs) Yeah, what a stark contrast to where you just were. (laughs) It was a really hard time. It was a very hard time in my life. And you said the recovery was very difficult. How long were you? Yeah, how long was it? I I would have to say at least about close to five years before I had a contusion on my thigh and the side from hitting the gearbox. I took the gearbox out. I hit it so hard. And I went through the windshield, you know, and I came back in and people said, oh, that's not possible. You couldn't come back in. I said, well, you know what happened? You don't want to believe it. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Go fly a kite. Uh, I know in the radio, you never, when I used to do radio talks, you could never say anything like that. You can say Uh, fuck. But podcasts are different. Yeah. It was a long time of recovery. You you have to figure, I was a 19 year old woman who now had scars on her face and serious scars. I mean, not you, you, you look at me and I had scars on my face. Makeup was not going to cover them. My lip hung down and, and all of that. So even moving through my peers socially, I stopped doing that because I couldn't, I didn't want to be seen. Mm. And my parents used to have a fish and chip shop on, uh, 18th and Castro in San Francisco. And this this guy in a motorcycle would come in and he looked at me one time. He said, you know, you're a kind of woman I'd like to take out because you are interested. I want to know all about those scars and what happened to the other guy. And just feeling somebody finally accepted me. You know, my friends would look away from me. They'd go, like, oh my God, let's not talk about it. And it took a long time to recover a sense of, you know, young women are young people, but young women are very dependent on their looks, right? Society tells us you got to look a certain way. And I had to regain that feeling like I was, I was okay. I was okay. Yeah. So I really do empathize and support people that physically look different than the so-called norm, because we're still the same people, you know, we just have our scars, you know? Yeah. That's an amazing story. And at that time too, what year was it when you got in the car accident? 1970. 1970. So yeah, I mean, it was even worse back then for the way that women had to look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no matter if you were the hippie and everything like that, you still had to have a certain, you know, you had to be acceptable for the guys, right? Of course. So the, the guy could gaze. pick you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you have to be acceptable to yourself. Yeah. And that was the uh, lesson, right? That's a lesson, you know, yeah. and it still plagues us in society. Now you still have to be size two. And, and there are people that are size two. I have no problem with people that are naturally small, whether it be a man or a woman or them, but to starve ourselves and to compare ourselves to others because we're not size two or have a JLo butt or anything. <laughs> I'd like one of those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all would. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad that we all still want JLo's butt, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is the truth. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, I mean, I'm looking at your face right now. Did you get plastic surgery? I mean, I did. yeah, your face looks, I mean, it, I would never know that you were in that. Yeah. Outfit. Well, if you saw me in person, especially if I'm tired, 
my face gets kind of pale and then I've got these. I just saw it in the photograph. Last week I took a photo, a, you know, kind of a little selfie. And I went, wow, it was still there. It was visible. And I had forgotten all about it. I, When I had my accident and I was brought into the emergency about midnight, one in the morning, something like that. The best plastic surgeon in the Palo Alto area in California was walking out the door. He had done his time, whatever. He's walking out the door and he took one look at my face. This is the story he told me. He took one look at me and came back in and performed surgery on me. And thank God he did. He, he did, did a it. great job. He did it then and there. Y yes. Wow. Yes. I had a facelift. He pulled the skin from my neck to cover my face where it was all hanging off. I mean, you were looking inside and my mother came and she said, oh, my God, all it was was bone and, and shreds of skin hanging. Oh my God. And, and she said, the only way I knew it was my daughter, she told the nurse, is the blue eye. I had one eye that she oh. could see because the other eye was all torn down. And she said, as soon as I saw that blue, blue eye, I said, yeah, that's my daughter. Wow, that's intense. It was a very intense. It was very difficult for her too. And I love, love my mother. You know, she's an absolutely wonderful mother. Well, you know, she's passed on, but uh, so it was a, it gave me a life that I had would never have imagined for myself ever. Yeah. I didn't know that this would be my life. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So you have so much of the physical that you have to deal with. I mean, so much physical trauma. And then on top of that, you start to get an increased psychic awareness. Oh, big. So, yeah. So you said it took you about five years to do full, full recovery. When did the abilities start kicking in? Was it right away? Got right away. And yeah. did it freak you out at first? Were yes. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wanted somebody to explain it to me, but I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I'm seeing, uh, I know things about you, but you've never, or even strangers, you know, I'm walking down the street and I stop and I know things about them. And sometimes some of the people I knew about that I didn't know had friends that I knew or people I knew. Uh, and then I would hear about their life and thought, oh my God, I, I already knew that. It's a, it, it was a very difficult time, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And then it was my father of all people. My father had a book by Dr. Moody, one of the first books that, uh, acceptable that came out about 1977, 78. And he gave me that book. And he said, uh, I think you should read this, which is very strange. My father is a very staunch Catholic. And it made me realize I started reading about other people that had NDEs. And until then, I had not had that information. You know, we didn't have the internet. <laughs> you know, yeah. you had to go to the library and read something. And it had me very consciously aware that it was okay. I could finally talk to somebody about it. And then I did. I began to share it with different people who looked was, at me like I was crazy. That was my next question. You know, when you first started sharing it with people or people like, oh, that's nice. And then like backing away. <laughs> yeah. A couple of friends were not, you know, a couple of my friends, I think of this woman, Barbara was always just really a mellow person. And she was like, oh, that must be so hard for you. And so some friends, very few accepted it. Were you able to see spirits and ghosts at that time? Yeah. Yes. And no, not spirits right away, rather knowing things about people. But when they did start showing up, scared the bejeevas out of me. Oh my God. I mean, I really thought I was, then I thought, uh oh, I should not have taken that much LSD. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
you know, and, and then I, I started to accept some of it. It's still, you know, it, it can still rattle me at times. If a spirit shows up, I can still get rattled at times if I'm not expecting it or don't want it to happen. Not like I used to. I used to, it used to rattle me pretty, pretty much. I think you said in your book that you believe there's a difference between spirits and ghosts. Can you explain the difference? Yeah, I, you know, I, I use a difference only so that people have a greater idea of what I'm talking about. We are all spirits. Ghosts are spirits too. But how I look at it is we are all spirits and when this physical body no longer ceases to function, our true self, the spirit of who we are, kind of floats away, goes to heaven or nirvana or goes up, whatever. Ghosts are spirits that are still on planet Earth. They're still tethered. Uh, on planet earth for some reason it doesn't have to be i learned this from the paranormal investigation i used to think oh if you're if you're still here on planet earth we should pray for you and move you on and some spirits told me why i like it here you know i learned that through doing investigations and i'm like really aren't you supposed to like go on to the other side for some reason the spirit decides to stay at planet earth Sometimes it can be because they die tragically and they can't get it out of their mind. And, and this is the way I explain it. I explain it in my book the same way because I've been explaining it to people for years before I wrote the book. You know that friend that calls and goes over the same stuff that happened to them years ago and you're on the phone going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. How'd you feel about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're wishing you could hang up? Yes. Yeah. That's the ghost going to keep going on about you know, they hung me. It was so unfair. And I'm going to make sure that you know that you're seeing me being miserable. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you got to move on. And that's how I, I kind of look at it. You know, those are the ones that are stuck to this plane, this dimension. So that's why I talk, I, I made a little difference about ghosts and spirits so that we could separate them a little bit and people would have a better understanding. Yeah, I get that. It's semantics. You're sort of just using the words to help people understand. Right. And and that makes sense too. Yeah. I, I didn't fully understand why ghosts are here. I still don't entirely all the time because I haven't met them all, but me neither. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be frank, I don't know if I've met many. I, I don't know how I would categorize some of the entities that I've experienced. But of course, that example you gave is, is tragic. Like, oh my God, would you just pass on? I've heard from people that there's the opposite too, right? Like you said, it's not always bad where they want to maybe stay behind to help somebody mm -hmm. who they were very close to. And then once that person dies, they'll pass on too. that kind of thing. Oh yeah, that could definitely happen. It does happen. And, and it could happen for a time after, meaning that say your best friend passed on and you miss that best friend and your grief is so great that you begin to say, do substance abuse or something. That friend could very much come out of love and say, you know, I love you. This isn't the way to go. I'm going to really see if I could bring somebody else in for you to feel love from. Not that they'll interfere with your karma, but they can be a positive force to help you heal. That's different. At some point, when we go into spirit, we have to rest in peace, they call it. We have to get on with that life. You know, when spirit leaves, when they miss, they miss their people too, I've been told by spirits, they don't want to leave their loved ones. So that's why they kind of hang on for a while too. But at some point, we have to, we the living have to let them go. 
You know, when people say, I got an altar, my mother died 25 years ago, I call her all the time to come to me. And I'm like, stop already. Let her go. The space where I do this is also my altar space. And my grandma's are right there. And, you know, ah, that answers that. OK, because since you... the beginning of this talk, there's an older woman that's been over your shoulder. I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, oh, don't start. Don't start you. You can. You can tell me about her. I'm curious. Well, she's just there. She's kind of got a, a kind of a, a rounder or fuller face. Yes, I think she wears glasses at times. She didn't like ever wearing glasses, though, because she must have been a good looking chicky when she was younger. She talks about just kicking up your heels. In other words, things about shoes and feet and walking and always get, you know, like be gone, just keep moving on, moving forward. And that's kind of her energy. Where you get your curiosity is very much from this grandmother because she was very curious about a lot of things, but she was kind of quiet about it because she wanted her family. I don't know if her family was from Europe from Italy or another country because she does like the warmth. She didn't like cold. And she's just been over your left shoulder since we've been talking. And I thought, well, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, does that I, sound like a grandmother? I can't figure out which one it is. Is it the, one with the letter K? K would be, that's Gracie. And the other would be Mumum. Cornelia is C. Cornelia. There's another. Here's the deal. I have another grandma who does have a fuller face, who wears glasses, who I don't really know anything about. And she's from Turkey. Uh, so- OK, I would say it was probably she. It may not be her name. It may be a town she lived in, a place she was from. Hmm. OK, I have to ask about that. It's sad. I know so little about my Turkish roots and they go very deep. I have a picture of her. That, right here. That, I would say that that is that is her. I would. Interesting. I got to I got to figure out what her name is and where she lived. Anything else you're picking up? Anything else you say? <laughs> she talks about one of the way that they kept their history alive was storytelling, mm-hmm. but also singing. And so you may be going to get singing bowls. Perhaps you're going to do something with that because she talks about the sound vibration raises, you know, when the women would get together and clap their hands and then sing. And then they would have really kind of primitive or what we would consider primitive musical instruments. So like that. Well, that is, it is on my bucket list. There's only one in the whole world. It's a yoga RYT program, and it's specifically for chanting and kirtan and singing bowls and sound therapy. And that's, that's always, for you. Yeah, that's that's, the one you, that's your next step. All right. Noted. Well, thank you for that mini reading. That was interesting. Sometimes I just can't help it. It's there. I try to hold back because that's not the purpose, but sometimes I just can't hold back anymore. She can't hold back anymore. Not me. She's like, come on, come on. You got to give it. Got to tell her. In her situation, since we're on the topic, I call my mom mom sometimes and, and I have a strong grandmother presence that I get a lot. And sometimes I don't know which grandma it is. It might not even be mine. It's just always a grandma. In fact, my magical name is Oma which means grandma. My grandkids call me Omi, other mother. That's what I called myself. I said, I wanted to be Omi. And people said, no, Oma. I said, no, no. So the grandkids now I'm Omi to them. Omi and Oma. That thing that you were saying before, do you feel like this grandma, whoever is here wants to stay around or so should I stop calling in like grandma energy? Should I leave them alone? Like you said? Well, you can open up to grandmother energy. Because they are considered the wise woman. In Native American, I've read for you know a few movers and shakers, 
in the people, the Native Americans. And they, they are very aware of calling on their grandmother, on the grandmother energy, not just specifically their grandmother, grandmother energy. So you can call on the grandmother energy. After all, you know, you're one of those really young old souls, like you were born a little old lady. <laughs> Even as a kid, you were like, oh, God, this one's been here before. <laughs> and so you can call on them. Now, if they choose to come is different than when you want them to come. Like, I need you. I need you. And I write about that a lot in my book. But if they choose to come because it's part of their evolution, it's part of their service mm. to humanity to come back and teach and guide, that's different. That's not a problem at all. This is a good lesson for the listeners and myself. Let me get this straight. You're saying it's probably more beneficial for everybody involved to call on the energy of something than to like in a weird needy way, be like, mom, mom, come back, come back. Perfectly said. Okay. You, you okay. said it clear and simple. And that's how you work it with magic and psychic world and everything. Law of attraction, creative visualization. You must be clear and simple. I get so many people go, you know what? I'm creating this perfect situation that has like a hanging curtain over here. And many people are coming in, but I don't know if they're coming in and out the door. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to say when I, when I saw people, only the brave survived it. I don't hold back. I just tell people. That's how my guides work. They're just like point blank, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's kind of old language that I wouldn't normally use. <laughs> so keep it simple. Keep it straightforward. Make it short. Also. Great advice for magical practitioners, because I do see that sometimes rituals even get so complicated that it's like, what the fuck are we even doing? I can't concentrate because I'm trying to figure out what step we're on. You know, I have found that often people that know a lot, you know, the studious ones, the academics cannot talk simple language to people. They start talking and you look at them and say, huh? I, I taught always elementary. I started that way. Now, if the group I was talking to were more advanced, then I would advance my talk. But I have often found academics or people who say they're experts. Uh, and I just don't really believe that there are experts in the paranormal psychic world. I believe it's always changing. They do not know how to talk to the common person. Then the listeners can't really get it. <laughs> they are not listening and they are not getting the lesson. <laughs> That's funny. You're funny. And you're yeah. very beautiful. You're such oh, a joy you. to even look at because you're just so beautiful to look at too. Oh gosh, you're killing me. I got, thank no, you that, very much. Really, the that. energy just flows, flows from you. Thank and that's you. always a gift. And I would tell people, if I say, if I actually say, wow, you're, whatever it is, and I look at someone, man or female or, or them, and I say, wow, you're really beautiful to look at. That beauty is a gift. It's a gift to attract people to you, like a flower for bees, so that people want to hear what you have to say. People want to, people want to be with beautiful people, no whether doubt. we like to hear that or not. It is yeah. a truth. And so your beauty is a gift to attract people to you. Wow. I'll just have to say that as my mantra. I think of beauty as an energy. I think part of my mission is showing people that beauty isn't just your face. It, it just, right. because I'm very androgynous. I'm, you know, I, I don't wear makeup. I have hairy legs. I have hairy armpits. I, 
I don't fit into the stereotypical beauty, but I, I love being around people and there's an energy exchange there. That's very, I think that's very beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. That's what's going to attract people. They don't have to feel, they can see your beauty and they don't have to feel threatened by something they think doesn't work. You mentioned that you have five sisters. Do they all identify as pagans? Uh, yeah. Uh, most of them, most of them, even uh, one of my sisters still a very good Catholic, but she was a She's been a great pagan witch over the years in our in our coven. There's two other sisters. One is doesn't doesn't she doesn't have any religion. One is declared Christian. Yes, most of them do. So you have a coven with your sisters. That's so cool. Yeah, and nieces and nieces and nieces. That's awesome. Any boys in your family? Yes, yeah, so I have. Two, we have two brothers. Oh my god! You know, nephews. We don't have aunts and uncles because we were the only family here as immigrants. You know, we just came here. But yeah, we got the two boys. One, one always tries to take charge. Doesn't work too well for him. The other one's just like a nice little Libra. Okay. <laughs> and you're a Gemini, right? Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One of my best friends is a Gemini. That's so nice of you to keep her as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> She's great, truly. <laughs> But yeah, I know there is a very common Gemini archetype. I, I feel like the only one that gets more shade than you guys is Scorpio. Yeah, I have Scorpio rising. Oh yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm a double Gemini with Scorpio rising. I can talk to the dead. They talk to me. Gemini, they talk to. Scorpio sets the area for them to come in. <laughs> yeah. My partner's a Scorpio and I think, I think I'm sorry. (laughs) She's awesome though. The thing is Scorpios are actually kick ass, but they're so intense though. There's such an intense energy. Yeah. So you have that, which I love. I love intensity. So I'm like the perfect partner friend for intense. What are you Aquarius or I'm a Capricorn. Oh, you're a very nice Capricorn. <laughs> Thank you. Boy, Capricorns support their people. Yes. You better not talk about their people. That's right. We are loyal as fuck. You don't go there. <laughs> uh-uh. You don't talk about my people. <laughs> That's right. Did you think when you were younger that you might have schizophrenia or something when you started seeing these spirits and ghosts at first? Did you have that feeling like, oh my God, I'm going crazy? Yeah, but as far as schizophrenia or bipolar, we, nobody talked about that. You know, that was not a common subject that it is now. Uh, I did think that I something was wrong with me. Maybe when I went through that windshield and banged my head, must have knocked a few things loose up there. <laughs> did you see a doctor and or would you, were you too scared to even bring it up because you thought they might? A, a doctor for my craziness? Yeah, later, after I had my son, I realized I needed some some help. And so I did start seeing a couple of therapists that I found one that really worked with me. He was able to ground me and have me look at life more logically. Something I really have never talked about hardly ever. I've only talked about it in the last two years is I tried to commit suicide three times when I was young. I just did not feel I belonged on this planet. I could not relate to being here. And I'm so glad that I failed. I am a failure at it. (laughs) And uh, I'm so glad. Me too. Uh, I mean, was that after the accident? It was twice after the accident. It was once just before the accident. So I tried to get out of this body. I kept trying to get out of it. And the spirit kept stuffing me back in. Mm. And I would wake up and uh, I'd still here. And, and I'm glad. I, I, You know what? Here I am, 70-something years old, and I've never really talked openly about 
trying to commit suicide. And I just decided, I think it's time that I openly talk about that until I found the place where I felt I belonged on this planet with people that accepted me and my psychic ways and all of that. How old were you, do you think, when you started to feel like you fit in here? Probably after about 25, 26, I began to feel more like it's okay. And then I talked a little bit later on, a few years later about it. And I did my first readings when I was 25. My friend, my really good friend brought some some ladies for reading. She goes, and you need to charge them. I go, what should I charge them? And she said, $5. I said, oh, great. And then when I had my son and I had somebody that grounded me and I had to be a better person for him. And that's when I began to feel who June really is. Who is June? She's not this bad person. She's not this weird person because, you know, you are weird. And people would say that to me, my face. People mm-hmm. called me all kinds of names, devil worshiper, a liar, charlatan, cuckoo. People said this all the time to me. And so I had to accept what they were saying in order I realized it was a lie. They didn't know me. So that's yeah. that's how I stopped trying to commit suicide. <laughs> well, that's tremendously brave of you to share. And I think it really is a gift to the listeners because suicide is rampant. It's very, unfortunately, it's very popular because of a lot of factors. One of yeah. them is not fitting in. One not of knowing them- that somebody else, somebody else understands how you feel. Somebody yeah. does get it. Yeah. Uh, Louise Hay, you can heal your life. She said suicide is being in a very dark tunnel with blinders, like the horse with blinders, and all you can see is darkness. You're not opening and expanding. There'll come a point where it's time for me to do some kind of work with people who were like me and wants out of their body. Like I said, I've never, all these years, I, I very seldom or ever I talked about it. And I just lately in the last year or so, I started talking about it. It's really important. Even for me, I have struggled my whole life with not knowing that I fit in, not feeling different than other people. And it's always nice, always to hear that there's somebody who understands you or somebody who's gone through or is going through something similar to you. And I just think it's amazing that you're sharing it really. And and I think it's also really amazing that you had these abilities after the accident and you didn't really know how to deal with them. And then, you know, you had your son, you started to step into your abilities a little bit more, you grounded it. And then you sort of, you came full circle. I mean, you were able to accept yourself as this new integrated person. And then you did psychic readings and paranormal investigations and all that with that sort of rootedness, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I said, amazing life that I'm glad that uh, I stayed. I'm glad I stayed around to see where we were going. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'm so glad I wouldn't be able to have this conversation. So when did the paranormal aspect come in? I mean, specifically the paranormal investigation, because I know you were already experiencing the paranormal. Like you said right away, you didn't even hesitate to answer. Did you have to get used to that before you were comfortable being a paranormal investigator? How did that unfold? I was already doing medium mediumship work. I was, you know, clients. I never saw a client that only wanted to contact spirit. I said, no, you have to want a reading for yourself. If spirit comes through, they come through. You can't make them talk. 
you know, you can call them up, but they won't answer the phone unless they want to. <laughs> so I was already doing that work. You know, I worked with the police on a couple of murder cases in the 80s. And oh, it's kind of hard talking to the police in that world. And I worked in the 90s on the Shania Cherichild case from Vallejo. And so I was already doing that work. And a woman that came to me for a reading when her mother passed over, she called me a few years later and she said, I'm involved with this paranormal group. And we'd like to know, would you like to be a medium uh, and go with us? I said, well, where are you going? I was almost kind of semi-retired anyway. I let go of a lot of clients. And she said, the Zodiac murders the circle. I said, Mm. absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't advise any of you to do it unless you're very seasoned. If you're very seasoned medium, see, people don't understand that. You have to be educated and seasoned. And she said, why not? I said, man, there's a blackness around this. Well, they went ahead and did it anyway without me. And the medium had a breakdown. It was so intense. And so I said, call me if you have somewhere else. And so she emailed me and said, well, we're going to do the Condor Club in San Francisco, the strip joint Mm. with Carol Doda. And I said, yeah, I always wanted to go there. And that's kind of how it started. I had to learn a lot. I wasn't used to being filmed and walking around and talking. That was about... 2014, I think. Sometimes I look, I go, oh my God, it was that long ago. I started having a blast with it. I I just loved it. And I did, as you know, on YouTube, there's many of the paranormal going on. And I did it for, I called it my own entertainment, my own excitement, because I wasn't seeing many clients anymore. And that's how it started. I was invited to do it with someone who had a reading for me. And I actually gave her historically things about her family. She did not know from Thailand. And she went, had to research it and found out that everything I said was was right on. So that's how I started. Ying. Her name is Ying. You know that they're going to do a movie. I've told you about that. A movie based on me. I um, was just going to, I just wrote that down, you weirdo. I, and it's specifically about you helping law enforcement, correct? Yes. Yes. It's about one of my cases. Yeah. Hollywood style. Yeah, of course. Don't believe everything you see Hollywood yeah. style. Tell me about the movie. Do you, are you allowed to say anything yet or no? Yeah, yeah, because it's been out in press a lot. One thing I did learn for one of my nieces that is down that way is something's happened to a point, then they get shelved. Mm-hmm. So right now they're at a certain place, but they do have the actors. You know, they've signed up some real actors. The woman that plays me will be Veronica Cartwright. Most young people don't know who she is, but she's an extremely talented and seasoned actress. And she's been working since she was like six or seven years old. She was in the aliens. She was in the birds. She was in the witches of Eastwick, you know, so she's Mm. she's in a lot of things. And she and I are very similar. We got to know each other, talked on Zoom and such. Uh, So it's in progress. We're hoping it goes into filming this fall. And people ask me, won't you be happy when that happens? I says, I'm already happy. Great, but I'm already happy. I found that place. Not every day. I still worry about my loved ones. But I'm basically a happy person. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, if waiting on Hollywood to make your film is the thing that's going to make you happy, I think you definitely need to regroup because (laughs) I live in Hollywood and I know that more people than not here are making things that never get made. Yeah, this is an independent person. Quentin yeah. Lee. That's good because it, it actually might mean that it'll get made. Yeah, he's a really cool guy and he's done a lot of work. He's the gay Hollywood dad. That's his place. Nice. What's the name of the movie? Is it How to Talk to Spirits? Well, right now that's what he's calling it. All I ask is 
can I have a part like the Alfred Hitchcock? Could I be walking across the street? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a so, that, so when I'm in my 90 year, I could go, look, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm excited about that. Keep me updated. I'm definitely going to watch it when it comes out. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I got to come down there and we got to have a night of it. Are you kidding? Yeah. I got, I got people down there. We'll all like dress up in our garb. <laughs> we'll do a glam spell. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> oh, we'll have fun. You and I will have fun. I would love that, seriously. And I want to ask this question because I think it's the most fun question. And that's what is the most paranormal, supernatural, mind blowing woo experience you've ever experienced? There's a lot, I'm sure. A spirit came to me one night. Uh, I was a friend of mine, and it was as though millions of little electrical pulses, lights formed a body. Never seen that in my life. Never have seen it again. And I knew it had to be him because it was shaped like him. We had a disagreement before he went in the hospital to die. And he came to me about two in the morning, seven in the morning, I get a phone call from his cousin, who was my friend. And she said, Jack passed over. I go, oh my God, when she said, well, he passed over about two in the morning, but he came back and then he passed over again. And I was like, that was insane to me to see this brilliant lights going off and buzzing. You could hear the electricity and he was trying to manifest into physical form. That is, was really something. Wow. For the baby witches and the baby, <laughs> let's say just general magic practitioners, do you have any advice for them? Yes. Just basic advice? One thing is you should educate yourself. I mean, I have clients now, I do metaphysical coaching and I teach them how to actually do spells, how to actually use the psychic mind, you know, not just achieve something in life like your job or whatever. I recommend this nice little book. It's called Where to Park Your Broomstick, A Teen's Guide to Witchcraft. Because I have some young people like nieces and, and you know, friends, grandchildren, stuff that want to learn about witchcraft. I say, first, you have to be pure of mind. You have to know, why am I doing this? What is it I want to attain? Once you make a spell, you open a door that sometimes you can't go back. So it doesn't mean the spells all work the way you believe they should work, but they set an energy up. So I'm very cautious with people that want to do spells. And the, as far as witchcraft, Wicca and witchcraft, so you can be a Wiccan, a pagan, and a goddess uh, person, religion, but you don't have to be a witch. You usually witches are part of that, but they don't have to practice witchcraft. Witchcraft is a whole involvement with the moon and the creation through the planets. And so, so I say to people, you have to educate yourself. You just have to educate yourself and you have to understand why are you a witch? That would be a good question you first ask. I mean, I had to ask it when we were doing, when I joined the coven, why am I a witch? Why do I believe I'm a witch? I have a niece, her little girl stood in front of me. She was about eight, seven, eight years old. And she looked at me, she says, Auntie June, I'm a witch. And I knew it right away. I knew it right away that she wasn't just trying to be like Halloween. Yeah. So education be with a, either a group, a coven. If you're going to be a witch on your own, try to find another couple of witches you can practice with. And the most important, I tell people, whatever you do as a witch, whatever you're conjuring up, you have to remember that 
threefold times it will come back to you. If you're wishing ill on somebody or you're wanting to control people, and it's out there, I'm telling you, I know it. I've met enough people that are that are witches. It will come back to you. I know it for a fact because there was one time I was really pissed at this woman and I wished, wished her ill. And I knew when I did it, like I shouldn't do it. And something really bad happened six months later to me that I knew was exactly about the spell that I did. So educate yourself. Be with others that you could talk about. Get a really good book. The book I showed earlier, The Grandmother Time by Z Budapest. Starhawk has a book out. These are some very important, very important people in the witch community. That's what I say. Why are you a witch? Because it suits who I am. Because it it allows me to tap into my ability to create magic in my own life and to relate on the level of women power. Not that there's men witches too, by the way, but um, I enjoy being with women and working with women in a circle. And so witchcraft to me was very natural, felt very natural to me. As soon as I was introduced to it in the early 80s, I said, aha, this is for me. It's very empowering as well. It doesn't stop you from having negative experiences, bad times. I mean, you know, that's part of life, right? But it allows you to tune yourself to nature. You know, it's very powerful, the cosmic energy. And that guides you. That's what guides you. When I was editing this episode, I noticed at one point, June says something like, I was in the in-between and I didn't want to go back to my body, but they wouldn't let me. They said I had to go back. So I emailed her and I asked, who is they? Who didn't let you? Who made you go back into your body? She wrote back and said it was her spirit guides and teachers. So they were on the other side saying, nah, you got more shit to learn. So you got to get back in that body. I wanted to know who's over there when you're in the blissful in-between spot? And is it different for different people? This subject always reminds me of that one scene in Harry Potter. I I guess it's probably also in the book as well. I I don't remember because Harry dies, right? For a hot second, he has a near-death experience. Harry Potter has an NDE. We don't even talk about this shit. And in the movie, it's shown so beautifully, right? Dumbledore is there and he's at this train station and there's a little shriveled Voldemort underneath the bench. It's an important part of the the film and the story. But what's most interesting is when Harry's like, you know, where are we? What are we doing? And Dumbledore says something back like, This is your party, as they say, which essentially means whatever you think is how it's going to look, whatever makes you comfortable. And this is a really common theme, right? The thread that goes through all of the experiences in the in-between is that it's blissful. It's peaceful. It's this incredibly freeing experience. But what it looks like and who's there changes depending on the person's belief system. It's an interesting idea. Once you're back in your body after your NDE, which is experiencing excruciating pain in June's circumstance, all of a sudden, new and sometimes scary psychic gifts kick in. I mean, what would you do? I don't know what I would do, but it really makes you pause and think for a second about what's really important in life. And how about interdimensional travel? This keeps coming up for me lately. What if there are loads of dimensions that we just can't see because of the limitations of our field of vision? 
Marinate in that for a second. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Okay. You can check out June's books and other offerings at her website. And if you click the events and media tab and scroll down to the bottom, you can contact her about her monthly online Zoom presentations, which are going to start back up again in September of this year. You can also check out The Haunted Bay on YouTube and Amazon Prime, and that's where June does her paranormal investigations. And you can also check out the witch films that she references, The Burning Times and The Goddess Remembered by Donna Reeds. They're both available in full on YouTube. All of those links will be in the show notes per usual. I also threw in the direct link to the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Finally, if you're feeling depressed and like you may want to hurt yourself, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. If you don't feel comfortable talking on the phone, there's also a chat service available online. I've added that link for you as well. Take good care of yourself, everyone. Okay? I wonder where the woo will take us next. Thank you for following the woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 